Hi guys, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Irish Balance podcast. If you are new to this podcast, you're very welcome. My name is Dr. Kira Kelly. I'm a medical doctor specializing in public health medicine based in Ireland. And if you're a regular listener to this podcast, thank you so much for coming back again today. Um, so as you guys will have heard in my most recent episode, um, I've restarted the podcast. Um, I think it's really important to use the content that I share to bring a bit of connection to all of us online. I personally love podcasts, as you guys know, and I'm really excited to bring some guests back to this platform and hopefully share um, some COVID-19 and non-COVID-19 related content. And today we're going to chat a little bit about COVID-19, but mostly along the line of nutrition. So I'm joined today by Maeve Hannon, who is a consultant dietitian, health writer and foodie like myself. Welcome, Maeve, to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on again. No problem. Yeah, if anyone hasn't gone back and listened, Maeve and I did two monster episodes on nutrition previously. It was meant to be one episode and then it was meant to be half an hour and it ended up being two two-hour episodes, was it, Maeve, I think? <laughs> yeah, we got a little out of hand. <laughs> a little out of hand, but lots of learning for everyone involved. Um, yeah. Maeve, could you give our listeners just a little bit of background about you, um, just in case they aren't already following you? Maeve is at Dietetically Speaking on Instagram, and I presume everyone is already following you, but um, just a bit of your background, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, so as you said, I'm a consultant dietitian. Um, so I currently work doing health writing, nutrition consultancy with brands and companies and seeing private clients as well one on one, which is all via video chat at the moment because of COVID. Mm. Um, and then my background is I worked in the NHS for about five years in a few different clinical roles. Um, I worked as a stroke specialist, a pediatric specialist, and I started off as a general dietitian. Um, and then I've done a bit of work uh, with the media as well. And then on social media, as you said, on Dietetically Speaking, my website and on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, um, I do a lot of debunking and promoting evidence-based nutrition. You do. And honestly, if you guys haven't checked out Maeve's Instagram page, just go there. Just go there. And it's like a breath of fresh air because we know there's so many myths and misinformation on social media. And I think it's fantastic just to have someone you know who's going to share um, the evidence and and not the misinformation, which is always there, no matter what topic you're talking about. And I think, Maeve, um, what I wanted to do was do, a, I suppose, a short little episode about nutrition, because everything in the media at the moment is COVID-19. And we've seen a lot of chat about, um, you know, food um, going off the shelves in the supermarkets, people rationing food or stockpiling. Um, and I wanted to touch on that a little bit. But first of all, um, I suppose, never before have we really focused so much on our health and that's definitely true during a pandemic but it is important that we don't forget the importance of a healthy dietary pattern even during this uncertain time so to start with could you give us maybe some tips to help us with healthy eating despite all the changes and the many changes to our lives so far yeah absolutely and as you're saying it's been you know a big upheaval for so many people and a lot of people just feeling really uncertain or they don't have access to all the foods they usually eat and things um, but it's also, as you said, you know, a lot of people are just trying their best to stay healthy. So, you know, doing their best with their food and with their exercise and everything. Yeah. So really what I think the key message at the moment is, and I just did a post recently on social media about this, is basically we don't want to be bogged down in this real food perfectionist mindset. So thinking mm. that, you know, I have to make all of my meals from scratch and they have to be really elaborate um, and I have to hit my 30 different types of plants in the week. You know, a lot of the things that are sometimes, you know, the kind of ideal thing to do in some cases. 
Um, but not even, I mean, some, we don't even need to be in that food perfectionist mindset to have a healthy diet, even when there isn't a pandemic going on. Mm. But it's just taking a step back, really, and just being realistic about it and simplifying things. So really taking it back to basics. And this is what I've been doing myself. It's what I've been encouraging my clients to do. And it's thinking about each of our meals to start with. So our breakfast, lunch and dinner. And the Mm. first thing is, you know, are you still in that routine of having your three main meals and, you know, kind of evenly spaced throughout the day? Because that's something that can really help to add a bit more routine and structure back into our Mm. day at the moment. If people are working from home, then, you know, a lot of the time, the timing and the structure can go out the window. But you can actually use your meals as a bit of an anchor to kind of get back into some sort of routine. So first of all, you're having your three meals and then maybe you might want two or three snacks in the day. Um, And then those meals, so are they balanced? But again, take it back to basics. So at each meal, do you have a source of starchy carbohydrates? So that's going to give us energy. Um, So that can be, you know, your bread, your potatoes, um, possibly not pasta at the moment. I know there's a lot of shortages in terms of pasta, uh, but things like noodles I've been using as a replacement, rice. Um, If they can be whole grain, great, because we're going to get more fiber. It's going to keep our energy levels more stable, but it's not the end of the world if you don't have the high fiber versions at every meal. It's, you know, better if we can, though. And then, so you have your carbohydrate. um, So that's about, about a quarter or a third of your meal and then our high protein foods so maybe that's um our fish our meat chicken eggs or beans um those sorts of foods about another quarter of our meal and that's going to be really good for keeping our muscles strong it's also important for the strength of our bones um and then we want to have about half or a third of the plate covered in fruit and veg Mm. and that's you know, a lot of people I've been speaking to, they're finding it a little bit more difficult to get the range of fruit and veg that they would usually have. That's where if you can get the frozen versions, the tinned versions, um, or, you know, whatever is available in terms of the fresh food in your local shop. Um, and then throughout the day, you want to have some sources of calcium. So if it's dairy, um, that can be your protein at some meals. Um, but, you know, maybe it's the fortified soya versions as well, like soya drinks. Um and tofu is another good source of calcium and then mm. iron but again if you're having your high protein foods so if you're having maybe some red meat or you're having some beans um or tofu then you are getting good sources of iron as well and we also want some healthy fats so maybe it's nuts or seeds or it's olive oil uh, or hummus or guacamole um, but again it's going to depend on what's available so really if you're taking it back to basics it's it's absolutely fine just to focus on those things. So really yeah. at your meals, your carb, your protein, your fruit and veg, and then some of those extra foods throughout the day. I think I love that idea of meals as an anchor because I know like I personally, my day job as a, a public health doctor means I have to go to the office every day at the moment um, or to my department. Um, and obviously other healthcare workers um, have to go to, to the hospital or to primary care. Um, and I know they've obviously kind of they're defining what essential work what's counted as essential work in Ireland now so even this week there's going to be more changes to people working at home and it can seem it can seem just really I suppose a bit more chaotic if you're so used to having this routine of getting up having breakfast going to work you know lunch at work come home it can really throw you I suppose out of balance a bit absolutely and even you know I'm someone who has quite a lot of experience of working from home and I still have to be quite strict in terms of you know setting times for meals setting times for breaks for movement all of that and I do find that if I try and regulate my meal pattern then everything else kind of falls into line a little more easily yeah definitely it kind of avoids you 
doing that thing where, you know, when you're having those days at home where you open the fridge and you expect something magical to appear every single time that you open it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's just me that does that. I think everyone does that. <laughs> you shared a post recently, Maeve, and you mentioned it there about frozen tinned foods. Um, and I think it's really important to emphasize that it is challenging definitely to get the same range of fresh produce that you might get in your local supermarket. Um, you know, and I think it is really important that you've mentioned that. And could you talk to us a little bit more about that? I know you mentioned in your post it was called In Defense of Frozen and Tin Foods. Yeah, so a lot of the time they get a bit of a bad rap. And mm. I think it's because they're kind of bundled in with, oh, they're processed, so they must be bad for us. Um, but actually, I mean, frozen food in particular. So once it's harvested, it's frozen really quickly. And that mm. actually helps to lock in a lot of the nutrients. So sometimes the frozen versions are actually more nutritious than the fresh versions because the fresh versions will have been picked and transported and sitting in the shop all the time losing nutrients mm. and so the frozen versions anyway are really healthy they're handy they're cheap but at the moment you know it's an extra way of getting a bigger range i suppose of fruit and veg in um, if there isn't as much availability in terms of the fresh options or even if you kind of you're not wanting to go to the shop as often so you're wanting yes. to sort of stock up and have that available in the freezer um, it's just a really handy thing and um, so again it will depend and I know some of the tinned foods in particular there's some shortages or it's difficult to get our hands on some of the beans and those kind of tinned foods yeah but if we can again um, you know they're really nutritious really quick and easy and again you know they store for a long time and I definitely don't want to encourage anyone to stockpile because we shouldn't be buying apple no. because that really causes issues in terms of the food yeah. supply. Um, yeah. You know, buying a few tins would be absolutely fine. Um, so, yeah, absolutely fine to do. If it is the tinned fruit and veg, so say for the tinned fruit, for example, um, mm. it's best if we can get it in water rather than syrup. Um, okay. but, you know, maybe if the syrup's the only thing available, just make sure you tip away the syrup and you might want to rinse mm. it off so you're getting rid of some of the sugar. Um, but ideally, if you can get it in water or sorry, in juice uh, for fruit and pour away the juice and for veg, generally trying to get it in water without too much added salt. Um, but again, we do need to be flexible in terms of what's available. Yeah, I think that's such a good point as well about like everyone is obviously trying to minimize the amount of trips to the shop, to the essential shops like supermarkets that they do. And I think that's a great point to raise. People might not have thought of that. Um, brilliant. OK, some really, really useful tips there. I suppose the second question I was going to ask you is um, this always happens when we have some new health issue and there's always going to be myths about it. And I've seen a few different immune boosting um, quotation mark claims floating around social media recently. And as I said, it's not a new phenomenon, but it is especially unhelpful right now. Can you tell us, can we boost our immune system with food? Great question. I've been seeing mm. this a lot. Um, mm. As you said, you know, it's been around for a while, um, but it's obviously really come to the forefront recently. Yeah. So basically, this whole idea of boosting our immune system, it's not a scientific way of thinking about it because, you know, our immune system is there to defend us from, um, you know, pathogens and invaders or harmful substances. Um, but basically, we have these, you know, two parts to our immune system. We have our first line, our kind of barrier immune system, and then we have our adaptive immune system. And that's where um, when we're exposed to something and our body makes a memory of that and creates antibodies mm. and then it protects us the second time around um, so basically those two different parts of our immune system but if we were to boost our immune system 
and you know it's kind of to work a bit on overdrive then that mm. can lead to what's called an autoimmune response and um, mm. that's where the body can actually start to attack its own tissues and it can cause inflammation and things so it's not a healthy way to be it's not that you know we don't want to encourage our immune system to be overly active and that's kind of what boosting our immune system would suggest yeah. so we don't really want to talk about boosting the immune system it's actually can we support our immune system with diet yes. and we can absolutely there's certain nutrients and things that are important for our immune system but there isn't one certain food or one supplement that's going to magically you know boost the immune system or protect us from coronavirus um, it's actually about bringing it back to that overall healthy balanced diet exactly what we were talking about balancing our meals in that way because some of the nutrients for example that are important for our immune system will be things like vitamin a uh, some of the b vitamins vitamin c vitamin d so vitamin mm. d actually is one that this time of year, we're kind of coming out of the season where most of us should be taking vitamin D anyway, because we just yeah. don't get the sunshine in Ireland to create vitamin D in our skin. Um, but considering now that a lot of people are going to be indoors, um, yeah. I think yeah. it would be a sensible thing for a lot of people to think about. Mm. Um, so in the UK, for example, they recommend 10 micrograms of vitamin D during the winter. And then if you're covered up or if you're housebound for the rest of the year to consider taking it all year round. Um, so I think for a lot of us, that would be a sensible thing to think about. And you can get that in a lot of supermarkets or in your local pharmacy. So hopefully that will still be available at the moment. Yeah, that's a really good point. I wouldn't, I, just something I saw mentioned recently, it was probably on your page actually. And you're right, we are spending so much more time indoors. That is a really useful point for people, definitely. Yeah. So I think that would, so if you were thinking of one supplement, I would say, you know, your 10 micrograms of vitamin D. Um, and then there are some minerals as well, like zinc plays an important role in our immune system. So does iron, so does selenium. But it's not just that one nutrient in isolation. And for mm. the most part, if you're not deficient in that nutrient, it's unlikely to make much of a difference. Um, so I suppose vitamin C will be probably the one that gets the most attention in terms yeah. of our immune system. Um and basically, there is some evidence that supplementing with vitamin C can reduce the duration of a cold, but okay. it doesn't reduce the risk of getting a cold except for um, when people are really physically active. So really like elite athletes. Mm, OK. But really, even when we look at the evidence in terms of taking vitamin C supplements, reducing the length of a cold, it only reduces it by about eight to 14%. So that's, if we kind of mm. translate that into real terms, it's like half a day to one day. Um, okay. So it's not really a massive change. Mm. Um, and there are, I've just learned recently, there are a few studies looking at supplementing with vitamin C um, in China. So for people who have coronavirus and who are in intensive care, um, but that's very new. We don't have any results from that yet. Um, so we don't really have any evidence at the moment to say that extra vitamin C is going to reduce the risk of coronavirus or it's going to make much of a difference, really. And I think it's important to mention as well that um, obviously China was the Wuhan in China was the epicenter for this um, outbreak, which has now become a pandemic. And we are, as you say, we are at the very, very early stages, guys. Like this whole thing began at the very end of December. It's now March. So we're talking, you know, a very short space of time to be looking at therapeutic options for the illness. And while there are a lot of studies going on, I think it's important to remember they're going on. You know, we need data to get evidence, to get, you know, information and advice to the public. That takes time. And certainly until it's, you know, recommended by your health authority, I wouldn't go jumping the gun anytime yeah, soon. Absolutely. And that's, you know, there can be risks related to this as well. So if you mega yes. dose on a supplement, so say vitamin C, if you take a really high amount, um, 
that can lead to like gut issues and nausea and might mm. increase the risk of kidney stones. Um, so it's not always that, oh, sure, it's no harm. I may as well do it. There can be yeah. harm, especially if you're taking a really high dose. Brilliant. OK, that is that myth busted. So um, <laughs> then the third thing I was going to say, this brings us back a little bit to supermarkets, but we have seen a lot of people rush to supermarkets in recent weeks. And particularly so there was photos all over social media in Ireland um, on the day that I suppose the initial school closures and other measures were announced, I think it was the 12th of March, like photos of empty supermarket shelves, no toilet paper, even though <laughs> that diarrhea is not a prominent symptom of COVID-19. So I'm not really sure what was going on there. As yeah. I saw someone say, it's coronavirus, not norovirus. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, we did hear reports of people stockpiling things. So if people are going to the supermarket, but not to panic buy, just to get what they need to come home, what are some sort of versatile ingredient ideas or I suppose mm. um, grocery ideas people could pick up? Yeah. So again, let's take it back to the main food groups I spoke about. And then just some sort of practical, versatile examples in each of those. Um, So the fruit and veg, really, as we've mentioned, you know, if you can get some fresh versions, great. But the tin versions, the frozen versions, um, going for pulses and things as well. So like beans and lentils and chickpeas, they're really handy. Um, Because if you don't have any meat or chicken available, you can make um, like a veggie chili or something. Just using like tins of beans, tins of tomatoes, a little bit of chili powder, whatever veg you have. Um, yeah. So those tinned foods, again, really useful. Um, as we said, the frozen fruit and veg, you can also get uh, frozen like chicken and fish and things as well. Um, and then dried foods. So things like oats and whole grain cereals, uh, rice, it could be couscous, even like dried fruit and things like that. Again, these are things that just store very well and then can be mm-hmm. added into a meal. Um, other handy things would be, um, I guess, like breads and pittas and that kind of thing. Um, yogurt, milk, I didn't get cheese. That. Oh. Could you try again? Sorry about that. That was Siri That's talking okay. to me. <laughs> He's listening. Um, I know. What did I say? That sounds like Siri. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So going for some of those kind of staple um, carbohydrate foods can be really helpful. Mm. Um, and things like um, even like nut butters and things. So yeah. I've struggled a little bit more to even buy like nuts and seeds, but it's been easier to get like peanut butter. Um, and tahini and that kind of thing and again it stores very well Um, so again being flexible in terms of we may not be able to get absolutely everything that we enjoy or that we usually eat um, but just taking it back to basics and if you're ticking you know off your carbs your proteins and your healthy fats your fruit and veg and getting in some calcium and some iron and probably your vitamin d supplement then you're doing really well brilliant some really really useful and practical tips there when i actually when i did go to the supermarket that day there was loads of bread. I think people learned from the beast from the east a few years ago that we need bread for every, like double our population yes, in Ireland. Exactly. And after this, it'll be toilet roll. We'll have massive yeah. stockpiles. Massive stockpiles. But I would really want to reiterate that point, guys. Like, you know, get what you need and come home. You know, just make it a trip to get what you need and come back. I mean, stockpiling doesn't help anyone and especially doesn't help the vulnerable and the elderly in our society. And we've been assured time and time again that we have plenty in our supply chain. Um, And that is even more so the case if we have a sensible approach to getting what we need. Um, Okay, thanks so much, mate. That is brilliant. And I second that point on nut butter and tahini. I could eat tahini by the spoon. But anyway, that is another day's conversation. (laughs) Oh, so good. Anyway, um, so next question for you is, I suppose, People are spending a lot more time at home now. I mean, hashtag stay at home is 
trending all over the place um, and probably more time with family. Now that we have these new measures in Ireland, we're essentially having no social gatherings outside of, um, you know, just within your own family home. So the having more time at home can be positive in many respects. It, it can have some negatives, I guess. But I think it might be useful if you had any um, sort of ideas for fun food activities to keep ourselves or the little ones busy. Um, if you had any of those for the listeners. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, and I guess I've been hearing two different things in terms of, you know, meal preparation when people are staying mm-hmm. at home. Some people are like, oh, great, I have way more time. I'm actually kind of cooking meals again, enjoying that. Whereas other people, especially if they are working and they're taking care of kids and they're, you know, they've become kind of homeschooling kids and everything as well. Yeah, There's so much lot. on their plate. So some people are just really busy and just have to, you know, put really quick meals together. Other people have a bit more time to spend preparing meals. Um, a lot of people have been getting back into baking and things like that. Mm. Um, so if you do have time, you know, great. You know, maybe you can look up some kind of quick, simple recipes. Um, I've been sharing a few. There's a few on my website. Mm. Um, you know, Orla Walsh has some good recipes on her website as well. Um, yes. So basically, yeah, you could look up, you know, if you have the time for cooking, for baking, great. Um, in terms of kids, you know, getting them involved in meal preparation is always a really, really positive thing to do. So even for little ones, you can help them or they can help you in terms of like stirring dishes and putting toppings on top of like little pit of pizzas and that kind of thing. And mm. um, when they're a little bit older, you know, they can even help with the chopping. And um, you have if you have a safety peeler or anything like that, they can use that. And then you can, again, just bake really simple things to get the kids involved. So it can be, mm-hmm. you know, the good old Rice Krispie squares um oh yeah be... quality stuff <laughs> <laughs> absolutely important part of childhood it is um, it is <laughs> something like porridge scones as well i have a recipe on my website you know all you need is two ingredients if you have yogurt and oats you can make porridge scones and then That's if you want idea. it's really really handy so yeah. um if you want to then you can add in extra like maybe you might want to mash a banana or add in some vanilla essence or some cocoa powder you know you can add different flavors to it but you mm-hmm. can just use the yogurt and the oats um, it's a really healthy option as well. Yeah. Kids as well, you can do things like, um, you know, get them to make their food into pictures and faces and things like that. Um, I guess we do just want to be mindful of waste at the moment. Um, so hopefully they would, you know, the idea would be they'd be creating the dish and then they'd be maybe eating it. Mm. Um, and there's some good Instagram accounts um, in terms of just, you know, making food um into little animals and shapes and things like that with kids and um, so there's one I like it's called kid underscore dish on Instagram oh cool okay um, and some other places to go would be um at solidstart.ie that's a really good page and at mummy cooks um, and I know at Priya Chu so she's a registered dietitian um she recently shared um just different snack ideas for when kids are in the house um, because a lot of families I think are finding that just if kids are in the house all the time there's a lot more requests for snacks and they're needing to be a bit more creative and yeah. pull things together so that's a really useful one. Brilliant thanks Maeve I think that's such a good idea and such good ideas I should say and ke- like you say keeping it simple and not re- remembering that we're not trying to be Mary Berry here like there's no expectation yeah. on us it's just these can be nice ways to use up time um, and kind of bring it back to the basics and um, can take some of that pressure off as well. Um, okay, so we're nearly there. I just have two more questions for you, Maeve. I suppose I just wanted to ask um, how you're doing during this time and what you have found helpful to, I suppose, get you through these challenging um, weeks that we're experiencing at the moment. Well, I'm doing quite well, thanks. Um, I guess what I've been finding useful is um, 
think of some of the positives because yeah. you know it is really uncertain and you know I've had to move away from my family at the moment and things related to this um but I also realized that you know I'm very lucky um I still have some work to do and you know in in relation to how other people you know the situations other people yeah. are in at the moment I'm absolutely yeah, exactly. fine um but what some of the things I've been finding useful is I guess just realizing you know how we're really all in this together um, you know, everyone is doing their best to get through this at the moment. Um, I found it really nice just to connect with people on social media and do video calls. Um, I was on a video quiz last night on Zoom. Oh, um, brilliant. So very fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, other little bits. And then just, again, thinking of some of the positives. So, um, you know, the fact that the ozone layer is starting to repair itself because we have less emissions now due to reduced flights and yeah. you know, any little positives I can come across. Um, and then also, yeah, just really trying to keep a routine, trying to do some movement at home, bits of meditation, bits of yoga, um, yeah. taking little breaks from work because I really find when I'm working from home that hours can just disappear and I'm just sitting in one spot. Yeah. Um, so I've actually started to set alarms to actually make sure I move at least once an hour. Mm. Um, so they're the kind of things I've been doing. They're such helpful tips. Thank you. And I think it's something that I'm trying to, I'm going to hopefully have a few guests on the podcast. And I think it's important to ask that question because as you said, we are all in this together and we're all doing our best to continue some semblance of, of normality in a very abnormal time. And finding and sharing those little things um, can be really helpful. There's often things that others haven't thought of. Um, I think that's it's really some lovely ideas you've shared there. Um, just to finish, if you could give our listeners one tip to help them eat well during this pandemic, um, what would it be? So I'd really just bring it back to being that food realist instead of the food perfectionist. Um, so base your meals on carbs and protein and fruit and veg. And really, if you're doing that for three of your meals, you're going to be covering you know, most of the nutrients that you need. And then, as I said, possibly the vitamin D supplement and then a few little extras in terms of adding in your healthy fats as well. Um, but really just bring it back to basics, be flexible with your food and just do your best. You know, don't put too much pressure on yourself at the moment. I love that. I think that not putting pressure on yourself is brilliant. Like we have a lot of extra time, but it doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, a productivity princess, <laughs> you know, yes. if it just means you're taking a bit of time to invest a bit of that in back into yourself, whatever way that looks for you. I think that's, that's doing a pretty awesome job. Thank you so much, Maeve. This was such a lovely episode. And I know there's loads of value in here for people, um, especially on some really important topics. I'm really, really happy with everything we've spoken about. Um, could you let listeners know where to find you and any kind of particular content you want to flag or even just, I suppose, where to find your website and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It was lovely to oh, chat. No um, so my website is dietheticallyspeaking.com. I am at Dietetically Speaking on Instagram and Facebook. And on Twitter, I'm at Dietetic Speak. Um, and I guess in terms of things to flag, um, I'll be releasing an ebook and possibly a, an actual physical book um, in the next few weeks. Um, and it's related to eating well for busy people. Um, originally, I thought, you know, with everything going on, I'm going to delay the launch. But then I have mm. had actually quite a few people contact me who are just really busy and overwhelmed at the moment. Um, so I thought I may as well kind of go ahead and just see if it's helpful yeah. for people. Brilliant. That's awesome. It's a great use of time. And I saw that actually you posted about it. And it's, you know, you get an instinct on when the time like that, I suppose, when the time is right for things like that. And um, yeah. you got to trust it. It's an uncertain time, but we can we can, I suppose, try and maintain some of the things that we were planning. <laughs> Maybe not all, but... 
awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Maeve. If people um, do want to get in touch and let us know about this episode, if you found anything useful, do get in touch with Maeve or myself on Instagram or you can leave a comment on the podcast or just drop us a line. A DM is probably the best way um, to reach either of us at the moment, I'd say. Um, Thanks, Maeve. And hopefully maybe we'll get you on again for a fourth episode at some stage. Let's do it. Thanks, Kira. Mind yourself. Take care. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.